Welcome once again to Hope with Connect. We are continuing with the Lord's Prayer, and today we're going to be focusing on forgiveness and how it, this prayer touches our lives in more ways than we had expected. That song is uh, really nice for a day like big today. Yeah. <laughs> Slow, mellow, it's kind of rainy and gray outside. Right, um, so we'll have to try to stay awake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is kind of like a lullaby too. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about a subject that actually keeps people up at night. It's true. Yeah, it does. Is, uh, forgiveness. Mm. Um, John, why don't you introduce us to the topic by reading the verses that we'll be uh, focusing on today. Sure. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 12 and then 14 and 15. Uh, and so verse 12 starts off, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then drop down to 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Uh, sounds so easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forgiving, our, forgiving those who have trespassed. That um, is so easy for us, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, so there it is. Okay, cause, you join us. so we're done? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, there's, there's more to forgiveness. Um, I think that, you know, we haven't done this in a while. We did that with, when we were going through the Beatitudes, and we would look at, you know, the poor in spirit, the meek. Mm -hmm. What is meekness? Right. What is mercy? But we take for granted that we know what forgiveness is. Mm. Um, how have you come to understand forgiveness, John? Boy, that's a that's a loaded question because again, I mean, forgiveness is. I guess I'll, I'll answer your question with this. Uh, oftentimes, you'll hear, uh, you know, forgive and forget, right? Mm -hmm. And I've heard people say, "Well, I can forgive, but I just won't forget." And uh, ultimately, what that means, what they try to get from that is, I'm going to remember the lesson I've learned. But I really do feel like it's hard to say that you can forgive somebody but not forget the thing that they've done, right? So when I, so when you ask the question, you know, what does it mean to, to me to forgive? Boy, that's loaded because I guess we think of our enemies right away, those that we don't like. And so therefore I've got to, I've got to try to love somebody I don't like. That's right. And, and that is, that is what he's asking here. Um, but then there's the smaller part of that. I can forgive my wife if she's done something, right? That's easy to, that's sometimes, sometimes I should say, that's easy to do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a, I, I don't know how to define that because it is so big. Yep. And yet, um, it, it sounds so easy, but it's really big at the same time. I don't know how to answer my definition of forgive. I guess that means I, I have, again, that I can love that person in some way well for me as as you were trying to you know show how broad it is mm -hmm. you know you can go for the big having to forgive the person that chose to drive you know when they shouldn't have been driving and they kill a loved one mm. you know you have to process that those emotions i was just reading a story of a mom that in real life had to do that her husband went to drop off their daughter at the school and this person hit them and she was fine but her husband and daughter never made it home mm. no last words so you have those huge what you said experiences where uh, forgiveness 
is not palatable. You know, it's, it's hard. Right. And then you have the, you know, uh, I forgot to take out the trash, honey. Right. Type of a thing where, I guess if, if you did it for, you know, the 358th time, <laughs> that might be hard. To, right. But not, doesn't compare to, you know, losing a loved one. Um, so as I began to process myself that question, I thought, well, there's definitely an element of sacrifice. There is. And, you know, as you're, you know, you're making me think about it, I guess, first of all, we sit, when it comes to forgiveness, we ultimately are in this chair of, I'm innocent, uh-huh. first of all. You know, I am innocent of, of whatever this trespass might be. Um, so I have to forgive somebody, even though the court should be, you know, should be in my favor. I have to forgive somebody. It's so a sacrifice it, of choice. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a sacrifice of obligation, but it's a sacrifice of choice. And um, I shared this to the church uh, some sermons ago that I think is worth noting that when Jesus talks about forgiveness, I think he understands we we wrestle with it. Mm. You know, um, we think we have an idea, but maybe we don't. Right. I mean, the idea of forgive and forget, etc., etc. So he, he um, puts the context of forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer in the context of finances. Mm. He doesn't ask us, he doesn't say forgive us our sins. He says forgive us our debts. Our debts. And as we have forgiven our debtors, people that owe us. Mm. Uh, in, in finances, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a debt forgiven you. <laughs> uh, I doubt Visa and MasterCard will ever choose to forgive debts. I was just listening to a program about um, the Department of Education supposedly had a program for debt forgiveness for people that took out a lot of money for college debt. That if for 10 years you worked as a public servant um, and you paid for 120 months consecutively the the regular amount, the rest of the amount was forgiven, Mm. was erased. Um, Which means that at the end, forgiveness means I'm willing to take the loss. I'm willing to never see something that belongs to me. And I'm okay with never, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that I will never have what was rightfully mine. Mm. Uh, forgiveness is having something being taken from me and me making a sacrificial choice of letting it go and being at peace with the person that took it from me. Right. Never demanding it back from that person. It's interesting that you're using the the scenario of debt because we're used to, as human beings, those debts coming with interest. Yeah. Ooh. And here yes. this is saying quite the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you just said, you're, you're never going to see that again, what's rightfully yours, let alone so on and you know, so forth. And, and I think this also can expand to us our, the, the heart of the struggle with forgiveness as human beings. Right. Because there's a direct correlation between the heart of our struggle with debt. You know, if MasterCard called me or called you or your mortgage bank said, you know what? You've been randomly selected. No more payments. <laughs> the house is yours. Mm-hmm. You would feel good. But if you had to give that kind of money to someone else, Right. And never see it back or someone owed you, you know, you loaned them to make a card deposit of $3,000 and that person used that money to skip town and go to the Philippines. Right. <laughs> and right. become an entrepreneur over there. Mm-hmm. And you never hear from that person again. You have to uh, absorb the loss. Right. And that's, that's the language of Jesus here that 
the challenge when you when you were talking about the verses here and some of the verses that we'll look in just a little bit the first thought the first passage that came to my mind is Matthew 18 because Jesus in trying again to teach one of his disciples about forgiveness mm-hmm. is past the apostle Peter when he says you know should I forgive uh, seven times um, and Jesus blows his mind you know with seven, seven times seven, seven. Right. he gives him a story of death mm. he's a servant that uh, owed this king an unsurmountable amount and the, the king absorbs that loss mm. And we typically think, you know, it's, okay, super rich. You know, he, he could write that off for his, ta- for his taxes. Uh, but the heart of it is when the guy has to give forgive 10 bucks. Right. He cannot absorb that loss. No. And that's our struggle with us relating to God and us relating to other human beings. We, we rejoice in the fact that we have forgiveness. We rejoice in 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins... Um, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And praise the Lord for those promises. But what God wants to make of forgiveness is not simply a one-way transaction right. where I'm being forgiven and I'm okay with it. But what you said is true. Forgiveness is just another way of saying love. Amen. Right. You know, it's uh, this is something that I struggle with still and, and it was a big hurdle for me. I have this... I do not, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I don't like to be disrespected, right? Mm-hmm. And and that can grow into this this big monster of again this uh, you know you want to retaliate for everything. I come into Christianity, and I understand forgiveness from God, and yet I still wasn't willing to give up that that idea of you do not disrespect me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. So you're right. I mean, this does, how much more have we disrespected God? You know, once again, I say this all the time where, you know, as Christians, we we love the idea of being forgiven by God, and yet it's so hard for us to give that forgiveness to everybody else. Maybe, maybe we don't understand, the struggle, excuse me, I'm just going to say, when we don't understand the value of money, we don't understand that forgiveness. Mm. You know, there's people that rack up debt like mm-hmm. crazy and then go bankrupt and say, glad I'm out of there. I'll take the seven years. Seven years and then guess what, right? Um, so, but for me, it's, they don't understand money. They don't mm-hmm. understand the value of money. And when God forgives me, if I don't understand what it took him to forgive me, I don't understand forgiveness. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just like if I don't understand money, you know, I owe the bank $10,000 and my bank this much money. I'll, I'll forfeit everything and I'll just file for bankruptcy. I saw the billboards, 500 bucks, mm-hmm. and I'm debt free. Well, that's because you don't understand the value of money. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness, though, is granted to us free, is not free. It cost God. He had to absorb the, the penalty of my debt and take it upon himself. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm listening and rereading this, I just noticed how Jesus flips this. In verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts in the manner that we forgive our debtors. Mm -hmm. So the reference point here is me. But in verse 14, Jesus says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions either. Now the reference point is God the Father. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So in essence, Jesus is putting a full circle. If, if you have not understood what my Heavenly Father has forgiven you, you will not be able to forgive others the debts that they have to you. Right. So I have. So this brings me to a question that I have. Uh, you know, why is God so worried about our relationships with each other then? Mm. You know, why? what is this? Why is it so important for us to forgive each other? Because why can't I just be a hermit? Why can't I believe God, believe in God, and just stay home and close my door? Watch and, 3ABN. Right, exactly. Watch 3ABN or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I have got good feelings. Why do I have to, why? Why is he so interested in our relationship with each other? Well, I, I believe that it's sin. Um, the, the lack of forgiveness it gives ample room for sin to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. And sin is not just behaviors, it's hard attitudes. In the Garden of Eden, uh, forgiveness was crucial so that God and humanity could once again restore fellowship. Mm-hmm. But forgiveness was crucial for Adam and Eve to be able to once again enjoy fellowship with each other. Mm-hmm. You and I were kind of talking about this, you know, God made hu- uh, Eve. It was out of the Adam discovering, uh, it is not good for me to be by myself. So God makes the wife. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the narrative, right, you and I are married, what the Adam says is, the woman whom you gave to me. <laughs> you know, he's blaming two people. Mm-hmm. Later on, he's going to have to ask God, forgive me for blaming you. Because mm-hmm. I put this whole thing on you. The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me up the fruit and ate. It's not your fault, God. And I'm imagining, of course, in my, in my thoughts, that this happened when God made tunics for them. When they saw for the first time what they could never have imagined, death. Mm-hmm. When they saw an animal for the first time that was moving, breathing, making noises, and it's most likely a lamb, because that's right. consistently what was asked later on. Mm-hmm. Um, when they saw this innocent <clears throat> animal, this helpless, gentle animal, not move anymore. That must have been a a tremendous shock for Adam and Eve. And God was not simply trying to shock them as like, this is how bad you are, but rather this is how bad sin is. Exactly. And this is what's going to take, this is what's going to require for me to forgive you. I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we forget, you know, what was going on then this is the first time they experienced yeah. anything like that yeah. after experiencing creation the following day worshiping with god i mean the first day that they go into is worship mm-hmm. and and then this happens you know not not in that order but you understand what i'm trying yeah. to say where yeah this is the first time blood was spilt and and it wasn't like you're saying it wasn't see what you made me do you know it was this is this what is, it would take for you to enter back into the garden exactly. and into my presence again. But this is also what will take for you to approach your wife and your wife say to you, I also forgive you. Mm. Now that I see what God is willing to do for me, how could I not forgive you? You just blame me when you've made the choice. Mm. We're both here because of the choices we've made independent of each other but you're wanting to blame the whole thing on me. And this is, you know, a caricature, not necessarily a caricature, but a, a summary of marriage. A marriage is two individuals that one of the, the biggest lessons and first lessons and ongoing lessons that you have in marriage is forgiveness. Right. Um, 
and it could be something big, it could be something small. Mm -hmm. But I can guarantee you on a weekly basis, we will be called to forgive each other for things that uh, we say, for things that we do or don't do. And it is crucial because I'm gonna ask you, John, where would your marriage be right now if after a year of marriage, you and Jamie said, you know what? What do we need forgiveness for? Right. Let's just throw forgiveness out the window mm-hmm. and just focus on, let's move forward on life. Well, look at where we are at today, where we have, I think it's 75% of divorces. We're close mm-hmm. to that anyway. Or 75 of marriages end yeah. up in divorce. We are w- unwilling to make those adjustments and those, those, you know, the less, like you said, the lessons that are in marriage, which is why God gave us marriage, are they're huge you're right so of course we would not be together anymore so if you're getting married you have to be willing to sacrifice because this is what jesus was trying to say he didn't simply tell them okay just confess your sins and i'll forgive you but rather um you're naked i'm gonna i'm gonna make clothing for you Mm -hmm. those leaves that you have right now they're not good not good but in order for me to make something that will actually solve the problem Someone has to die. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about uh, the garden because uh, studying for uh, another class, we're doing Genesis right now, and we're at this part, and it it never occurred to me before because I always struggled with, you know, why did Adam get punished? You know, he didn't do anything. But imagine if Adam would have forgave Eve instead of partaking in the sin. If he would have forgave her for for doing, you know, uh, taking part of the fruit, instead of thinking, you know, I can't live without her, you know, uh, I, I need to I need to take part of this too. If there would have been an element of forgiving instead, how different yeah. this would have happened. <laughs> you know, the whole thing would have played out. And I'm, I'm thinking in my imagination, you know, there's a book called The Hour of Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also find in the Bible, what Jesus says that he leaves 99 sheep to go after the one. There's that one sentence that says, in that book that God would have sent his son Jesus if it was if it was just for one person mm-hmm. which means that the whole plan of salvation would have gone into effect for Eve if Adam would have played intercessor instead of yeah partaking yeah and and for me that that is why we have forgiveness mm-hmm. because without it you and I cannot be brothers in Christ right if, if I come with an attitude of you better not step on my toes we will not have a relationship because you will, and I will step on yours. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. It's just we're imperfect. We, we, we say things sometimes. We, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, whatever it may be, simply because we are growing in our experience as Christians, God has to forgive us. And if God has to forgive us, then humans have to forgive us too. And God knows that. In John 17, Jesus' prayer is dominated by this one theme that they may be one, that they may be one. But it's not simply Jesus saying that they may be one or have unity for the sake of it. He says that they may be one as you and I are one, that the world may believe. You know, there's, there is an, an element of uh, controversy, uh, a scandalous element in Christianity in relationship to forgiveness. I, I read a book, an art uh, magazine, well, I was at Andrews. Um, it was uh, a publication done specifically for Jewish people, from an Adventist perspective. Mm-hmm. But rabbis and all these other Jewish scholars would contribute to this um, publication, Dr. Dukan. Uh, Jack Dukan is the one that was the editor. 
Now there was this one issue that I actually have a copy at home because it just opened my mind to this issue of forgiveness. Why Jesus has to speak this strongly. In this article, there's there are Jewish ethicists, individuals that study ethics and morality and what is evil and what is good and how should we, we should relate to evil. And their argument, it goes like this, the Holocaust. I am not obligated to forgive the Nazis. Mm. I am not obligated. Uh, Adonai, Yahweh Adonai is not obligating me to forgive Adolf Hitler or those people. I've lost my grandparents. I had lost, you know, when I was in California learning massage, I actually got to massage a rabbi that had tattoos on his arm, numbers mm. from Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing experience. So they... They see evil. I'm not minimizing it at all. Right. They see how horrendous these atrocious acts were. And so they feel that there are some evils that ought not be forgiven because if you forgave them, then you almost kind of like condone them. Sure. Mm -hmm. You let people off the hook and then people will be like, oh, so it must be okay to do that. When I read that, I realized they, how would Paul would say that the cross of Jesus is a stumbling block for the Jewish people. Um, then and now, in this sense, they feel that God is okay with them not forgiving certain things. Mm. Whereas in the gospel, Jesus has no, there's no off limits for forgiveness. You have to forgive everything. Because just as I forgive you everything, in the same manner, you have to forgive other people. And that's where now forgiveness becomes a cross. So now it sounds like, once again, Jesus is telling us to be a doormat? Is that what he's well, saying? When, when Jesus became um, human, he did not become a doormat. Mm -hmm. He became an agent of transformation. Mm. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, um, many others... Um, even Jewish people chose the path of forgiveness and discovered that through that, the enemy could be confronted with their evilness. There was just no other way to show the enemy that the evil of their behavior, their evil of their worldview and beliefs, because now they could contrast goodness. And forgiveness and sacrifice was the purest goodness that could be offered to the enemy. Mm. So they were Germans that switched, that gave up their beliefs. They recognized this is not human. This is just a degradation of human life, and I refuse it. But what was that that evoked and provoked in them these, these reactions were individuals. And they, they, this, this, this not, did not happen with everyone, but there were individuals that chose forgiveness. Mm. And, and when they did that, it opened the eyes of the enemy. Um, Something much closer to home, you know, during the civil rights movements in the 50s and 60s, um, something happened in our nation. The peaceful demonstrations that our African-American brothers and sisters were doing, marching peacefully, um, they, were not, they were not effective. Not because the peaceful, peaceful protest is not effective, but because people were not seeing how they were being treated as they were peacefully marching, how the police would release dogs on them, how they would bring fire trucks and just you know mow them down with water, mm -hmm. how they would beat them with batons. But when cameramen showed up and those 
actions were broadcast all over our nation. And the individuals that live in the suburbs, where it's nice and quiet, got to see the horrors. They got to see individuals that like Martin Luther King Jr. could offer forgiveness to individuals that, because of the color of his skin, hated him. And he realized that is the only power. That is the only power that does not make me a doormat. Mm -hmm. It actually empowers me to stand up with dignity and treat, choose to treat you as a human, even though you may choose to not treat me as a human. I will not dehumanize you, though you are dehumanizing me. And with that, now that other person has an opportunity to see. So what I'm hearing from you is that this whole forgiveness thing, it really does show that uh, there is this, you know, again, what the great controversy is all about, which mm -hmm. is uh, God is love. Yes. Right? And so those who claim to be in God's camp, you have to kind of, you somehow you have to exercise love, you have to show love, you have to, and the true definition of it, and that makes other people's hearts melt. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will attract all men. Mm -hmm. There's something attractive, something that appeals to the human heart that provokes a response from us. Um, how, how, you know, God did not, we as Adventists have this awesome, beautiful perspective on Scripture that the cross was not just about our sins. The cross was also to solve the universal problem of the accusations that had been made against God. Mm -hmm. How did God reveal in the, the clearest and most powerful way who He really was, was by the means through which He extends forgiveness to the human race, which is the cross. Mm -hmm. And in the same manner, just as the cross reveals Jesus to humanity, Jesus tells us to take up our cross. Right. And Jesus tells you, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Extend forgiveness to those that don't deserve it, because through you doing that, you're revealing me. Mm. You are revealing my cross. And through that revelation, conversion can take place in their lives. You, uh, you used this in a sermon one time, and I have stolen it since. Uh, <laughs> You brought up this the scenario of you know holding a gun to your wife's head and asking her if she loves you, right? Yeah. And of course, what is she going to say then? Um, you know, God puts this. You know, with true love, there has to be an option of not using it. Mm -hmm. There has to be an option of not accepting it. There has to be an option of not using it. And what are when when you know when Jesus tell, talks to us about our relationship with other people? It's exactly, again, the same thing. He's saying, you know, use the love. Use, use this love. And you have a choice. You don't have to. You, but as we read these verses, you know, if you do not forgive trespasses, well, then how can you be connected to the one that has forgiven your trespasses right. as well? There is this uh, gospel foundation in, in the theology of forgiveness, in the study of forgiveness. Um, and it definitely involves a cross. Mm -hmm. And Jesus struggled with the cross. Amen. Three yeah. times he said, Father, could you please remove this cup from me? Mm -hmm. But not my will, but yours. All right. And so he went through the, the, the means, the mechanisms through which forgiveness could be extended to the human race. But he took sweat, blood, tears, and a surrendering, a complete surrendering of the will to God. 
And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this, John, is because as a pastor, you as an elder may have come across, I have come across individuals um, in this scenario, specific scenario, women who have been uh, sexually violently abused. Mm -hmm. And they struggle. You know, mm -hmm. Just like the, the Jewish people was Auschwitz. This is their Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. And they struggle with forgiving the individual. They feel that the, holding on to what they've done to them and, and, and refusing forgiveness to them is justice. They, it, it makes sense in our minds that I will not forgive you so that you can experience the penalties for, of your behaviors. The interest of your debt. Yes. Mm -hmm. And without minimizing something as horrendous as that experience... Right. Um, and it's not that the cross makes you feel that because, you know, this woman obviously would have never raped someone else. It would have never done that kind of violence. Um, but it's not saying that you need to put yourself in the same level as that other individual. Is that you need to put yourself in perspective to God and you. And the, the, the human heart, and I've used that extreme situation of, you know, this individual that sure. shared that with me. But in reality, John, that is a difficult thing to go through. Mm-hmm. That is a very difficult process to go through. And all of them, the, the rape, the accident that kills my, my husband and my daughter, the, the words that wound me, that wound my pride, like you said, you know, the, the, that, that rubbed me, every single one of them required me to go to the cross. Mm. I cannot forgive someone taking my Doritos. You know, something as, <laughs> right. as Jesus in Matthew 18 highlights that. Mm -hmm. You just said something powerful. What Jesus taught in that parable. You can experience the forgiveness of Jesus, but refuse to use it. Right. And the, the, the empowerment that we receive as we are forgiven and we understand how much we've been forgiven is perspective. Um, I begin to understand how much God has forgiven me, how much He loves me. And now that empowers me to forgive the unthinkable, the unimaginable. That lady that I told you about that lost her husband um, and her daughter, uh, she visited that lady in the hospital. Wow. And she felt compelled, like Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. She felt compelled to reach out to that woman. And she was very intentional to tell her, I, I wept. Mm. I'm still grieving. The silence in my home tears me up each day. But the only options that I have is anger and a desire for revenge and hatred or forgiveness. Mm. And forgiveness means the cross. I have to absorb this loss. But when I go to the cross, I am reminded that, number one, not just that Christ has forgiven me this unsurmountable amount in my own sins. Though I may not have murdered someone or you know manslaughtered someone through a vehicle uh, or responsible behavior. I have killed his son with my sins. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, at the cross, Christ reminded me that death has no victory. That through the death of Christ, my daughter and my husband will live again. And we will be reunited again in a world where we will never separate again. And those convictions and God bathing my mind and my heart with those convictions have empowered me to tell you that I forgive you. I set you free. Mm -hmm. Now, you can only imagine what, how that other woman is feeling and what these words are doing to her heart. Mm -hmm. This woman that lived a very, you know, debauched life, you know, 
irresponsible behavior. As she's hearing these words, Jesus Christ is being exalted. The cross is being lifted up. Right. And this lady becomes converted. Mm. And she spent many years in jail because of what she did. But she doesn't feel, she actually feels, you know, I'm not in jail. Mm -hmm. I've been forgiven. Right. I've been forgiven not just by this precious woman, this daughter of God, but I've been forgiven by the God. If he could empower her to forgive me, that gives me hope that he can forgive me too. So it shows this just the the matrix, if you will, that we live in. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it you know what Christ is talking about here is taking our eyes off these things that we think are so big, that we think are so such big trespasses, and they are. I don't want to, you know, again, yeah. uh, trivialize them. Or exactly. Uh, but the 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 reality of it is is that there is something much much bigger, much more than than these these trespasses. The, the cross is me understanding how much it costs to forgive mm -hmm. me. And when I understand the price of what it costs to forgive me, that gives me perspective for life. Amen. And then I can forgive my wife, I can forgive my child, I can forgive my parents because I see how much God has forgiven me in Christ. So we're not trying to tell people it's easy. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to tell people that, you know, this will be natural. Sometimes forgiving certain things will take years, but at the foot of the cross, it can happen. Amen.